Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, September 14th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. With the federal election now less than one week away, Mercedes brings us the latest from the campaign trail, including the increasingly dark tone it's taken. We've heard a lot about the RNA-based COVID-19 vaccines over the past year, but how much do you know about the applications for RNA technology? We learn more about the tech from an award-winning professor of chemistry and biochemistry at the University of Lethbridge. Do you have sticker shock every time you open up your monthly car insurance bill? If you do, you're not alone. We catch up with an insurance professional from lowestrates.ca for details on a new study that finds many Canadians are overpaying and get some tips on how you may be able to get a lower rate. And finally, as summer comes to a close, it's time to start thinking about winterizing your garden. But where do you even start? We catch up with the gardening guru, Merle Coombs from Spruce It Up Garden Centre to give us the dirt on how to have a successful seasonal transition. And with less than a week to go before the federal election. We are joined this morning by Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Good morning, Mercedes. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Are you exhausted? It's been a long run and up into this short election, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It has. We've been going uh, nonstop. I think I had half a day off since the beginning of August because well, there's always uh, prep going into an election. But you know what? Uh, you will find very few reporters who will complain about that mm. because for us, this is like, you know, covering our Olympics, yeah. our Stanley Cup. It's very exciting. Everything's down to the wire. Uh, but certainly... No doubt that a week from today, there will be a few very tired reporters in this country. <laughs> oh, man. And a lot of people did see you uh, on stage, uh, debate time mm-hmm. in the, the final debate, the English debate. And I'm wondering, a lot of the people, the takeaways that we've heard on the radio here, Mercedes, was, were from people saying the format, it, it, it kind of hinders, you know, really getting to, to hear from these leaders. I'm wondering, from an insider's perspective, because you've been to more than your fair share of debates, is there a better way to do these things? There's a lot of different ways. And, you know, the debate in 2019 was criticized. This debate was criticized. Um, And I think I understand people's frustration that there was just not a lot of debating with the way that the format was set up. Um, If you're to ask each leader a question and they have 45 seconds to respond and they can't talk to each other, well, then they're not going to debate each other in that format. Um, And there was a lot of questions and a lot of questioners. One of the suggestions that I've heard uh, that I think they'll consider for future years, I have no idea what they'll end up doing other than the debates commission that says, you know, they're listening to all the critiques and they will consider how to move forward. But uh, you can't have like one moderator who's in charge of everything and a lot of actual back and forth debate between the candidates. I think that's what people were looking for that they didn't feel they got out of this particular debate, mm-hmm. uh, owing to the way that it was set up and and the fact that there was just, you know, an attempt, I think, um, honestly, to get as many voices in as possible and as many issues in as possible to have them all addressed. But it didn't leave a lot of room for those leaders to directly engage with each other. So if I was the person looking at this and deciding what to take away, um, I don't think that I would have a, a bad impression of the last two debates. But I would think, what's the common theme we're hearing from audience? That they want to see these leaders take each other on. Now, I'll tell you, the tough part of that is when you let leaders just take each other on, um, there tends to be squ- 
squabbling or they will talk over each other. So you'd have to have a moderator who could really get that under yeah. control and manage it. But I think that there is a deep desire to see how these leaders interact with each other when they're given that opportunity to really take each other on, not just take some pot shots, but to actually have to sustain a debate. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if that's something that surfaces in future years. Yeah, I think you're right. And maybe even some one-on-one debating where they don't have the opportunity to have five of them yelling over top of each other and just maybe two people on a stage at the same time. Anyway, we could pipe dream all that, all that we want. <laughs> we won't, we yeah. won't be talking about it to, until next year. Anyway, I wanted to get to the fact that you, you did have a sit down with Aaron O'Toole, the conservative leader as well. What did you get from him as, as he's heading towards this election day now? And, and really what we've seen over the past maybe 24 hours even, is that he's kind of gone into the negative side of things as the attack ads have begun. Yeah, and we're sort of past the point where anybody's releasing big policy ideas. Mm. Uh, Not that this was an election of huge, shocking policy ideas uh, by anyone. Although, you know, to the credit of the Conservatives, they did release a very substantial platform early on, uh, very retail-based, certainly open to criticisms. But unlike previous election campaigns, they dropped it at the last minute and it was pretty light. Um, This one was thicker. So we already know what's in their platform. We know what's in the Liberal platform. We know what's in the NDP platform. So there's sort of two goals this week if you're a leader. Goal number one is don't make news. You don't want to make the news because that usually means your campaign is in trouble. Um, Just want to maintain momentum. You want to get the vote out. That's what they're really doing right now. Despite everything you're seeing on screen with the public campaigning, It's the the behind-the-scenes efforts to ensure that their supporters and people who have identified to them as voting for their party in this election are actually being delivered to the polls to do that voting. Um, You're starting to see the personal attacks harden and the tone harden. It is, you know, well, what is it, past day 30? Not quite. We're getting close. Uh, As as my brain tries to remember when (laughs) this all started. It's early. Um, We're in a 36-day campaign, so we're about at day 30 now. Um, People are starting to get a little snippy, a little cranky. They're starting to wonder if their numbers aren't moving. Do you try a little bit of a different tactic? And certainly Aaron O'Toole got much more personal yesterday than we've heard. Um, And then I don't know if your listeners saw it. If you haven't, I highly recommend going to Global News website or a YouTube channel and checking out uh, an interview that was performed by one of my colleagues, Nisu Garcha. Uh, she is an anchor for Global BC. Um, they were telling us that Mr. Trudeau was not essentially going to do the political anchors. He wanted to talk to a local anchor, so Nisu took that on. Um, and wow, was she prepared and very direct and mm. you know didn't talk about all of the things that are sort of the key parts of the liberal platform they might have wanted to participate on she really hit them on the accountability issues um things like feminism afghanistan um you know and she was talking about parts of the platform as well indigenous issues but at the end of it the prime minister actually seems frustrated and says well you didn't talk about climate change you didn't talk about child care and it, it's quite astounding to kind of hear um, the liberal leader start criticizing the interviewer about the choice of interview topics. I mean, when you go into this as a politician, you don't get a say on what the questions are going to be about. And to me, that was interesting because it suggested that he was rattled. Um, 
that, and you see that throughout the campaign. He doesn't look like he's on steady ground. He doesn't look like he's confident in some situations. Um, and whereas Mr. O'Toole has to contend with the fact that the polls are dropping off for him, you know, he was surging ahead and then it seems like he plateaued. He has to figure out a way to deal with that. And he had his own faux pas saying that, um, the gun that was used in the Dawson College shooting was illegal. Well, it wasn't. It was illegally transported, but the gun had been legally obtained. Uh, and that's sort of what was him um, stepping on his own foot there. So you can see the tiredness. You can see the mistakes starting to happen. Yeah. You can see the nastiness starting. Um, because now it's just sort of this desperate, all-out, you know, winner-takes-all sprint to the end in a very, very close race. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, day I looked at it uh, up here, day 31. We've got, uh, you know, six days left until Monday. Oh, day um, 31. I'm one day ahead of where I thought. And you you had, wish. You, you had, wish. You had the chance of well, we just, uh, a few seconds left here, but you had the chance to speak with Mayor Nahid Nenshi, part of the election panel, and he echoed that from what he's seeing as well, um, you know, speaking to a conservative MP, that it's getting angry out there. It, yeah, it really is. Um, it's concerning. We have reporters on the campaign trail. Um, I've been out there on the campaign trail. Uh, people are yelling horrible things. They're, uh, you know, aggressive towards media and politicians. Um, it's understandable. There's a lot of anger after the pandemic, but I think there's a lot of concern that that anger is being misplaced or or not maybe controlled in the right way. Protest is everybody's right uh, and freedom of speech. You know, throwing things, intimidation, mm-hmm. that's, that's a different ball game than showing up and saying, boo, you know, you suck mainstream media, we don't like you. Okay, fine. Uh, but when it becomes very personal and very aggressive, which is what's happening on the campaign trail, it raises a lot of concerns. Um, it raises concerns about what's going on in the country, that people are feeling this way, and it also raises concerns for the folks out on the trail. And if you've watched the footage of Mr. Trudeau, who's getting the brunt of um, this kind of very aggressive protesting tactic, um, and it had some gravel thrown at him by one protester, you will notice there's extremely high security around him. And I've talked to a number of RCMP officers about this. Um, and while there's no specific individual threat, they are very concerned about what the threat situation is right now in Canadian politics. And it just sort of taking one person to decide to take things into their own hands yeah. uh, and you could have people hurt. Yeah, it's so kind of scary, that's isn't it? Concerning. We need to be better for sure. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Mercedes. Always love chatting with you. Oh, we're getting close. Try and have, a, try and have a little cat nap today, okay? Thank you. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Groundbreaking research into RNA technology led to a breakthrough in vaccines, but RNA has the potential to treat a variety of other diseases as well. Joining us to discuss from the University of Lethbridge is Dr. Tushar Patel, winner of the Biophysical Society of Canada 2021 Young Investigator Award. Good morning, Dr. Patel. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning to you. Can you explain just sort of the basics of RNA technology for us, just so we can understand to start things off? Yeah, so RNA itself has been around with us in terms of research for many, many decades. We know a lot about how different types of RNA function, how different types of RNA help us in our daily survival, metabolism, and all of all sorts of activities. So RNA technology is just an extension of the knowledge that was derived over the decades by different groups uh, all over the world. Um, and now we see applications in, in different fields, including having the vaccines against the uh, SARS coronavirus too. 
So to a certain extent, and again, for the layperson out there, this is your world. This is what you do, Dr. Patel. RNA is kind of a base that you could build a vaccine for or use different applications to maybe not only uh, treat, but perhaps cure other diseases down the road? Um, yes, so there are lots and lots of opportunities. So like I said, there are different types of RNA. And the one that we currently use for vaccine development is called messenger RNA. So it carries the code to produce a type of protein that you require. In this case, uh, once the messenger RNA is injected to a human body, uh, our body will produce a protein, a fragment of protein for virus and that will allow us to develop antibodies. So similarly, we can envision having different types of messenger RNA templates for different disease treatments that could include viruses, that could include cancer treatment, and all sorts of opportunities out there. Mm. Tell us a little bit about your award-winning research. What were you able to discover that was new? So my goal, the, the goal of my laboratory is to understand how the viral components and the human components communicate with each other. And the reason we want to understand these communications is that once you learn the language of these pathogens and humans communicating, then you can develop the tools to block that communication. So we figured out how some of the fragments from encephalitis virus or Zika virus RNA communicate with human proteins. We also published papers on how the hepatitis B viral DNA talks to talks to human proteins. And these studies now in the future allow us and other researchers to develop some sort of treatments against these viral infections. So that was one of our contributions to the ever-growing field of science. I'm wondering, and this is, uh, you know, within your world at the University of Lethbridge, but a little off topic here. What are your thoughts on uh, many universities, including the U of L, mandating vaccines for student and staff on campus? So vaccines, as we know, have been around for a very, very long time. We, we can go back to polio and smallpox, you know, and, and these vaccines are safe, they're effective. They protect us from getting any severe outcomes. And we need to hang on to vaccines and masks to avoid all the deaths and IC hospitalization that we are seeing every day. University of Lethbridge, we want to ensure that every student has in-person learning experience. As you know, online experience has its own challenges. We cannot do the laboratory work uh, online. Right? So we want to ensure that students and faculties and staff have in-person experiences and in order to mitigate the challenges that are happening outside the campus, um, with rapid rise in in in, in cases, so the fourth wave, we don't even know that we stand in the fourth wave. We have daily cases rising. We have daily number of deaths rising. And so, in order to make sure that everybody is safe um, and they feel safe on campus, vaccines are the way along with the masking. So we want to prevent any severe outcomes in the community, and I wish everybody takes vaccines. Um, Like I said, they are safe, they are effective. We thank you very much for your time this morning and appreciate it. Uh, And again, uh, congratulations on your award. Really, really interesting stuff. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. You too. That is Dr. Trushar Patel, who's the Associate Professor of Chemistry and Biochemistry at the University of Lethbridge. 
842 mornings with Sue and Andy on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday, September 14th. And yes, always looking for ways to save money these days. Keep more money in your pocket. And you might find it interesting, or, or maybe you might not be surprised if you've opened your uh, most recent insurance bill. A new report shows that on average, Canadians are overpaying for insurance. I'm going to dive into the numbers and break it down for you right now with Justin Tuin, co-founder of LowestRates.ca. Good morning to you, Justin. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. We appreciate it. Well, let, let, let's talk about this. And, and I know that one of the greatest highlights is it, it all depends on the numbers. And I don't mean the numbers, you know, being charged, well, to a certain extent, but the age. Let's talk about the difference as far as your age and what you're paying. Absolutely. The simplest way to explain it is the older you are, typically, the less you pay for insurance. And the reason is, because car insurance companies have more data on you, they can see the type of driver you are, and therefore they're more easily able to predict how much they should charge you in the future. The younger you are, they don't have that data, and it's more difficult for them to predict, are you gonna get in an accident that's gonna cost them money? Justin, is it true, uh, this has happened for me, luckily, I got a newer car, and with the new technology in these vehicles, my insurance actually went down a bit because they said it was almost uh, more difficult to get into an accident because of the, the tech that's in our cars. There are so many factors that make up how much you pay for insurance, but absolutely, the type of car you drive is one of them. So with the new technology, it's a double-edged sword because, as you say, some of these new technologies mitigate accidents and make it harder to get in accidents, which should lower your premiums. But on the other side of the coin, this new technology is also more costly to repair if you do get into an accident. And therefore, the insurance companies sometimes charge more for it. So there's so many factors involved in what the insurance companies look at in terms of how to charge you. Well, let's talk about when, you, you know, the statement is overpaying for insurance in our nation. Can you give us a percentage or about how much we are overpaying as a, as a nation? Well, I don't think that everybody's overpaying for car insurance. The perspective that we were taking is that some people are overpaying unnecessarily mm -hmm. by not comparing the market. In general, by not comparing the market over your lifetime, you're going to spend about fifteen or $16,000 too much because each year, different insurance companies look at you differently. They change their underwriting risk and their approach to pricing yearly. And so if you're not comparing the market yearly and making sure that the company you're with is the right one next year, the same as this year, you're going to be paying too much for insurance to the tune of $15,000 or $16,000 over the life of, of your driving career. So Justin, you're the co-founder of lowestrates.ca. Tell us how it works. Do you pay a fee to join? And then I'm assuming that the fee we pay would be lower than what our insurance would be if we didn't have the ability to shop around then. No, the way lowestrates.ca works is it's completely free okay. to consumers. It's like Expedia or Travago, but instead of comparing flights and hotels, we compare personal financial products. So if you come on the site, you put in your information, we'll compare insurance companies for you for free and match you with the insurance company that's right for your unique needs. We pass your information to that company and you can choose to purchase from them or not and there's no fee to consumers. And since we've launched, we've saved Canadians over a billion dollars. So there's lots of money to be saved on personal financial products. Mm. Justin, you know, it's, it's funny because when I turned 18 or 
uh, maybe 17 and I got my uh, first car and I had to get insurance. I just stuck with the same insurance company my parents had because it was habit. So I'm wondering whether or not it's the family habits or just that you've been in with the same company for years. Some people might not know the process. Is, is there a process to switch insurance companies or could I do this whenever I wanted? You can do it whenever you want to. And it's, it's all too common that people just stay with what they know. They stay with the company that their parents have used or that they've always used. And they typically don't even think about changing unless they have a massive increase to their insurance because they've had an accident or something of that nature. It is very simple to switch. You don't even need to wait until the end of your one-year insurance term. If you have a change, for instance, you're no longer driving your vehicle, you're putting it away for the winter, or you're no longer driving to work because of COVID, you're, you're only driving for pleasure. You can actually contact your current insurance company and they will lower your prices if you're not driving your vehicle as much. And if you want to switch, you can stop at any point you want and switch. So it's a lot easier than people think. To quote Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, you better shop around. Thank you very much, Justin. Appreciate your time. It's a great way to, uh, to figure out what's going out there and, and what's best for you for sure. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Justin Thuin is the co-founder of lowestrates.ca. 6.42 and fall is in the air. So what do we do in the ground? Is it time to put your garden to bed? We're checking in with Merle Coombs, owner of Spruce It Up Garden Center, to find out what we're supposed to do with our flowers, our veggies, our grass, and our trees. Good morning to you, Merle. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning, guys. How's things going? Oh, so far so good, but the weather is changing. We know that. What do you suggest? What do we do first? What are, what should be the, the steps that we take ahead of the season changing? Well, these are kind of really good opportunities to, and this is where you're going to get the benefits for next spring. So right now you want to look at amending your soil because the soil is still workable. It's not obviously frozen yet, but right now if you get in, turn your soil over, Add some embedments like sea soil, some compost, some good garden mix into your soil, some granular fertilizers. Get that in there. Work it in so that way it soaks in and then it's ready to be used next spring. Because right now all the trees are downloading and they're not uptaking anything. So they're not going to use any of that fertilizer per se. It's interesting because, you know, when we were talking about you coming up, I was talking about how so many people find the whole gardening process zen. It's almost like yoga or meditation. For me, it seems like a lot of work. Uh, Do you find anybody who is in between who, uh, you know, has a love-hate? Because it seems to me that if you have a green thumb, you are all in. Absolutely. But what, what it is, and I really try to get people, don't get too overwhelmed. Don't take on too much. Because if you don't get any success, the fun of it goes away real quick because then it's just work, right? And I've told the story numerous times on my show where I get a customer who walks in, they have like 500 packs of seeds, and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's step back a bit. Let's, let's just grab maybe 10, 15 packs, get you going, get some success, and then you're going to become a gardener as you grow with it. If you start with 500, you're just you're going to be so overwhelmed that you're just going to hate it, right? And then it's you move on to something else, mm-hmm. then you're off to TikTok or something. So. <laughs> TikTok, <laughs> which everybody should be doing that. TikTok dances Absolutely. are fantastic. Uh, what do we do right now with our flowers and our veggies that are outside? Well, right now, all your flowers, the ones that you still have in the pots, continue to feed them weekly because right now you're still going to get a great show. And on these cool nights, you're going to actually get more color because you're getting more of the pigment gets forced out into the flowers and into the leaves. So keep feeding them like with a 15, 30, 15. Ensure that you're watering. 
Um, I went away for a week to Vegas for a business trip, came back to my kids. Oh yeah, I watered, they didn't water. <laughs> and it was, but I did deadheaded everything, fertilized, watered, and they all came back and now they're blooming like crazy again. So if you do have a little mishap, but this is the time of year where you're going to get that really good color out of a lot of your trees and shrubs. And the forecast looks great. We're going to get some nice fall color from our columnar aspens, our Turkish burning bush, um, any of those, um, the maples, uh, Katoni asters, we're going to get those really nice fall colors, it looks like. So hopefully that continues. And right now they're downloading. And it's a great time to, like, our green it up uh, tree fertilizer. We start that program right now. We go around with deep fertilize, deep root fertilize everybody's trees that are in our client list. So that's important right now. Um, do your last application of your lawn fertilizer at this time of year. And it's also a great time to add into the garden. If you have those empty spots, all the garden centers are having sales right now. So you're going to be able to save some money, fill in those empty spots. If you just look out there right now, because everything is growing to its full growing for this season. So you're going to say you have an empty spot here or there. Now is a great time to go fill that in because you're going to save some good money. And, and then also fall bulbs. So if you want those spring tulips and all that, Right now is a great time to plant all that kind of stuff. I'm sure a lot of the, you know, your weekend fans know your full background, but something else we were talking about is, you know, gardeners being made or born. Is this something that's always been in your life? Has it been a family thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Right from when I was a kid, my mom had a big garden. My mom and dad, uh, growing up in Bonas, we had a big yard, big garden, and always out helping out, enjoyed it. We used to raid gardens. And sorry to all my neighbors when we were kids, but we did that. <laughs> But that's something kids never do, but we grew up. And I remember my first place where I moved out, my uh, my landlord loved us because we, we worked at Sunnyside Greenhouse at the time. And our place looked great. But, and I remember our, our landlord came by and we we're like 19-year-old guys. And they go, holy cow, your place looks phenomenal. We had flowers. We had edged all the beds. We had done everything really nice. And it was kind of motive, right? The girls like that too, so it was good. <laughs> Chick magnet. Do you, when was the last time you killed a plant, or do you ever still? Oh, I still, yeah, no, there's times where you just, uh, oh, you kill, I, I'm very fortunate, though. Um, plants like me, and they do well for me. So um, the biggest thing, too, is people, is lack of water. Like, I see it all the time, and similar. And there's the, what my daughter said to me when I got back from Vegas. She was, well, Dad, it rained. And I said, Jamie, what do we say to people when they when the customers come in their trees that the rain is not enough that she just laughs? She knew right away. Gotcha. Because when it does rain, it doesn't get in there. Okay. And the first couple of years is when you're watering nice deep roots watering. That's how when your trees are gonna survive. You gotta get the you're burying a two foot pod into the ground. And if you only water the top inch that rest of the root ball is going to die off. All right, I'm on it. Thank you for the tips. I'll try not to kill anything else. Always love talking to you, Merle. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks a lot, you guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Merle Coombs, owner of Spruce It Up Garden Center. He's already on to the weekend. Spruceitupgardencenter.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.